Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. we got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice, Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially Grace. Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Grace Curley Show. I am so excited. It's been... It has been a long time, but it always feels like a long time when the days go by and we haven't checked in with Ari Hoffman from the Post Millennial. Um, He's one of my favorite writers, and he's a great source for us, especially given what's going on right now in the world. And Ari, I want to get into what happened in Philadelphia last night. I want to get into the cancellation of menorah lightings. That's that's a new trend that's starting to happen around the country. But before we get into any of that, you had a speaking event recently, and you were targeted by anti-Israel activists. Can you give us a little bit of information? What were you there to speak about, and what was the reception like? Sure, I was at University of North Carolina, Charlotte, and they had invited me on to speak about Israel because there's not a lot of Jews on campus, and they wanted somebody with a perspective on it. So I had spoken at University of Washington. They had seen the stuff I was doing on social media, and they asked me to come out. So I came out, and there were a 100 protesters there waiting for me. In fact, they had to sneak me in a different entrance, and they had to sneak me out a different entrance, and they had to have security all over the place for little old me. And what the craziest thing about it was, was these protesters had no clue what they were chanting for. Most of them were likely the same kinds that you saw at the BLM riots, just like they are here in Seattle. But they also had the exact same flyers, the exact same banners that the anti-Israel pro-Hamas protesters have here in Seattle. This is a coordinated effort coast-to-coast on college campuses, in the streets of our cities. Whoever's behind it, I have a few guesses, but I don't want to say it because I'm not sure. This is a coordinated effort to demonize the Jewish state. And what's crazy is it's literally like watching Nazis in action, like what happened in Pennsylvania just last night where they targeted a Jewish restaurant with a prominent chef that's very well known. I mean, these are probably the same people who are calling Donald Trump a Nazi, who are now marching in the streets trying to take down Jews and chanting anti-Semitic slurs while doing it. Yeah, the the situation in Philadelphia last night. How much of that do you think is college kids? Obviously, it was University City. There's, you know, UPenn is is right down the street. Do you think this is a, a product of kind of indoctrination at these schools? Are you noticing that that's primarily who's making up the this group, these groups of demonstrators? Well, there's definitely the white kids who are a lot of college kids and a lot of white savior guilt out there. But in addition to that, anytime I go to one of these college campuses, I see these people in the parking lot afterwards, even at schools with dorms, which means there's a lot of people coming from off campus. But when we talk about college kids, something we're not talking about is how many of these college kids are actually foreign students, especially from Arab countries, who don't like America very much, but are using it for all its resources and taking advantage of all it has to offer. And a lot of them are those kids. And I have a real question about when you're chanting for the death of America, and you're chanting for the death of Israel, and you're calling for the death of Jews on a regular basis. Are these really the kind of people we want to take advantage of our educational institutions? Yeah, and then asking us, a lot of these same students are asking us to pay for it. Um, Ari, I wanted to also bring up something that I find 
this to me is even crazier because at this point, as sad as it is when I saw the the riots in Philly, the vandalism, you do expect this now almost every other day you're going to you're going to get these. But I have to read you here from Red State. It says a menorah lighting was scheduled for the second Sunday's art and music festival on December 10th in Virginia, but it was canceled by the organizers. Shirley Vermillion, the festival's founder, said, quote, the concern is of folks feeling like we are siding with the group over the other, not a direction we ever decide to head and then this is united jewish community of the virginia peninsula and they said yet appallingly the event organizer claimed that a hanukkah celebration would send a message that the festival was supporting the killing and bombing of thousands of men women and children and even went a step further ari by offering to reinstate the event if it was done under a banner calling for a ceasefire can you give us your reaction to that Whoever is the organizer behind that event sounds like it's somebody from one of the far left, less observant branches of Judaism, because I can tell you here in Seattle, we had an organization, we had an event yesterday, we marched across the I-90 bridge. No, we didn't shut it down. No, we didn't block any cars. We walked on the walkway. But one of the rabbis in town actually called for all the menorah lightings here to continue as scheduled, and there were people from every branch of Judaism there, and they're all going to continue as scheduled. You don't bow in the face of terror, but in addition to that, sounds like this person, somebody who's really bought into this whole nonsense that Israel's targeting innocent civilians, which couldn't be further from the truth. If Israel wanted to end this war, they could have done so in three days and flattened the whole place. But the fact that Israel is meticulously taking its time going building to building in urban warfare is because they're trying to reduce civilian casualties. It also shows me that this person has no idea what the holiday of Hanukkah is about. The holiday of Hanukkah is about the fact that the Assyrians took over the land of Israel, desecrated the temple, and were trying to make the Jews not do their own customs anymore, not do their own laws anymore, trying to make them assimilate into culture. And the Maccabees rose up and overthrew them. And that happened in Judea and Samaria. So something to remember is that anytime you see Pramila Jayapal, or you see Rashid Tlaib, or Ilhan Omar, or AOC, or anybody else wishing everybody a happy Hanukkah to their constituents, they're literally admitting that the Jews were there thousands of years before Islam even existed. And that's pretty entertaining to me every single year when that crops up and they actually post those messages. I'm so glad, Ari, that you brought up Pramila Jayapal because she's getting a lot of heat and uh, deservedly so for her recent interview on CNN with Dana Bash. And I wanted to play one cut for you here because the, the talk of ceasefire has really been kind of the the crutch for the left. They keep saying, you know, it, it's not that they want Israel to just sit back and get slaughtered, all, all the Israelis, but they do want a ceasefire. And a lot of people who are uh, arguing with this are saying, well, if there's a ceasefire and one side isn't going to abide by it, then the other side has to defend itself. So with that being said, let's play cut 13, please, and then we'll get your reaction. Ari, this is Pramila Jayapal. You are hearing from Hamas leaders over and over again that the brutal massacre of the 1,200 Israeli civilians was just the beginning, just a rehearsal, and that they want to continue to do it over and over again. So a ceasefire would keep that brutal 
terrorist regime in place in, in Gaza. I don't think that's true. I think that what is true is that Hamas needs to be taken out. It is a terrorist organization. How would you do that? But I think the way to do that, as many terrorism experts have said, is to create a durable and strong coalition of allies within the Middle East, with the United States, with Israel, to make sure that we have a long-term political solution, that there is an alternative to Hamas to lead uh, in Gaza and to establish a state for Palestinians. How realistic is this solution that's offered up by Pramila? Hamas to lead a state in Gaza? Well, let's see. Since Israel turned over the Gaza Strip in 2005, thousands, thousands, tens of thousands of rockets have been launched into Israel. There have been thousands of terrorist attacks on Israeli civilians. And then, of course, it's all culminated on October 7th with the massacre, rape, torturing of Israeli civilians. And Pramila Jayapal, one of these believe-all-women types, seems not so interested in talking about all that. Let's remember there was a ceasefire in place on October 6th. Hamas violated it. Let's remember just a few days ago, there was a ceasefire in place where the hostage deals were hostages were being returned in exchange for Palestinian terrorists. That was in place. And Hamas, while it was going on, was violating it. They killed four people in Jerusalem, including a pregnant mother and a rabbi. And then when they were supposed to be turning over more hostages, they started launching rockets again. There are still 136 hostages in Gaza. So Hamas was the ruling party of Gaza, and look how that worked out under their rule. What, 18 years of savagery, of barbarianism, and then they want to turn it back over to them? Is she on drugs? I mean, really, the thing I would say to her is, you know, tell me you don't understand how the Middle East or foreign policy works without telling me you don't understand how the Middle East or foreign policy works. Yeah, and I think that could go for most of the members of the squad. Ari, um, I wanted to just ask you one other thing for the audience, because this is something that I've been seeing a lot of, and I'd be curious what you think the best response is. When you have not just people in Congress, but just people in general who are trying to, anytime it's brought up the brutality, kind of the psychological elements of what Hamas has done and just how evil it is, and, and people want to talk about it to make people understand what we're dealing with, you get this response from the left, and I shouldn't say everyone on the left, because there are people like John Fetterman who are standing up against this, but you get a response from some people on the left that, listen, it's it, almost like it's not a competition, you know, it's not a competition of oppression, all of this is bad, and it to me, it feels like it is important to point out the specific brutality of what happened on October 7th. I'd love for you to talk about that a little bit. When you hear Pramila say it's not um, a, a hierarchy of oppression, how do you respond to that? <laughs> the person who tries to check every intersectional box at every opportunity is saying it's not a hierarchy of oppression. I mean, that's really just laughable. Let's not forget, before October 7th, I mean, we're talking over the summer, I think it was in August, Pramila Jayapal called Israel a racist state. There's a reason we call her the Hamas spokesperson, because she picks up whatever Hamas is selling, and she keeps saying it and repeating it time and time again. The truth is, is that Hamas being terrorist goes against every single narrative they have. There are people of color who are terrorists who raped, butchered, massacred over 1,400 other people, which included people of color. They don't know what to do with that. Their liberal minds can't handle that there's evil in the world. They want to believe that if Israel just did what the Palestinians wanted, we'd have peace, but it's the big bad Israel's the Jews' fault that everything always goes wrong. They can't handle it. This flies in the face of their intersectional insanity, but the problem was, during Barack Obama, 
He drew together this coalition of the disaffected to create this intersectional base of everybody who wants to take down America. And that thing is now ramped up, dialed up to 11, and it includes Hamas. So you have the climate change activists, the BLM activists, every other kind of activist you can imagine, the abortion activists, everybody are all on the side of a terrorist organization. Because at the end of the day, it has nothing to do with intersectionality. It has nothing to do with equality. The thing all these groups have in common is they hate America. They hate Western values. They hate freedom, and they want to see it all go down. And that's why they're on the side of a terrorist organization, and that's why Pramila Jayapal and her other squad buddies are having problems dealing with it, because this is their base. Yeah, and the same people who ask, you know, Ari, someone like you, to denounce everything under the sun, she's so annoyed. Like, she's so bothered by the fact that she's being asked, you know, just can you, you know, condemn Hamas? They just raped all these women and killed all these people and beheaded all these people. And you really would think that somebody was bugging her, like she's flotting, uh, swatting away a mosquito. She's so aggravated that she's being expected to respond to this during this interview. It's pretty amazing to watch. Ari, please let people know where they can follow you, where they can read your work, and where they can listen to you on the radio. Absolutely. That's on 570 KVI, kvi.com out in Seattle. You can also read everything I write for the Post Millennial. And you can, of course, follow me on Twitter at The Hoffather. Thank you so much, Ari. We appreciate having you on and we hope to talk to you very, very soon. Keep up all the good work. Why do sellers voluntarily choose to auction their own real estate? Well, the better question is why not? There's so many benefits to selling your real estate via auction. I'm just going to rattle off a couple that stand out to me. As someone who's sold property before, sold real estate, I I haven't sold it as in like I'm a realtor, but I've sold my own. Um, And it's it's a lot. It can get really, really frustrating, especially when you're dealing with contingencies and you're dealing with all of these other elements that are kind of out of your control. You can end up getting really, really uh, bogged down. But the great part about selling via auction and selling with J.J. Manning auctioneers is you're in the hands of a 47-year firm. You're in the hands of the experts. You know, this is a, a machine that they know how to operate. They can get in your property. They know what to do. But the great part is it becomes their most important project. They really care about it. They're going to talk to you as an individual, figure out what you want, figure out how to get a bidding war for you. And they just get all the elements right to create the perfect recipe to getting the most money for your real estate. They use a 30-30 marketing plan, 30 days of marketing, 30 days to close, no haggling and no changing the deal. If you've ever tried to um, sell your house, if you've ever tried to buy real estate, you know that you want to eliminate any of the stressors you can. And that's my favorite part is there's no distress with the J.J. Manning auction. You set the terms. You sell contingency free. The buyer pays all commissions. I mean, it's really it's getting it as simple and as easy as you possibly can. So to learn more on how to get your commercial, residential, or land property sold quickly, contact Charlie Gill at 800-521-0111 or go to jjmanning.com. Call today. You can just ask them a couple questions. It's 800-521-0111 or go to jjmanning.com and get your real estate sold. We're going to be talking to Justin Manning later in the week. I know that his podcasts always do well in the downloads. So if you have any real estate questions, wait till I believe Thursday when we'll have him on. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. It's Grace Curley Show. Hi, it's Toby from Cape Gunworks. I'm taking all your firearm and self-defense questions every Tuesday. Join Grace and me for 2A Tuesday, Tuesdays at 2 p.m.
This is The Grace Curley Show. Welcome back, everyone, to The Grace Curley Show. It is Monday, and we are so happy to be here, as always. We thank you for tuning in. And there's there's a big story today. Here's the tricky thing, Jared, about the Hunter Biden investigations. And I say investigations because there's so many. IRS is investigating him. The House Oversight Committee is investigating him. Um, And every single time I see a headline, I think to myself, because I'm naive and I'm just forever optimistic, I think this is the smoking gun. This has got to be it. And then a couple of hours go by. I don't really see it anywhere except for conservative Twitter. And then a couple of days go by and it just becomes, you know, part of the... The painting that is Hunter Biden's life, like it just becomes another small detail that maybe I'll throw into a column, but otherwise it doesn't really pin him down. So I hesitate to ever get too excited. Like I like to temper how I feel about these news bits because I don't want to tell people this is a big deal when the Democrats can look at things. They can look at evidence. They can look at facts and they can go, that's a whole bunch of nothing. That's no, that doesn't mean anything. That's, you know, red meat for conservatives. With all that being said, James Comer, who is the chairman of the House Oversight Committee, he has released subpoenaed bank records revealing Hunter Biden's business entity, Owasco PC, made direct monthly payments to Joe Biden. I repeat, made direct monthly payments to Joe Biden. Now, Jared, my question for the audience is, will this do anything? anything like will this yeah, it'll get another gop house member expelled just to distract from it <laughs> yeah i know you're right you're yeah, right oh, oh, bob menendez on... or someone like bob menendez is about to be in a whole lot of trouble oh no wait i'm sorry this this means another trump indictment is I, I forgot the pattern when, when bad news about hunter comes out trump gets indicted you're right you're right but i feel like they've used up all of theirs so they're gonna have to come up with a new one they're gonna oh, have to start doing some no hard problem. they have an entire arsenal of uh, things they can indict him for. Waiting in the wings. It says, following subpoenas to obtain Biden family associates bank records, Chairman Comer issued subpoenas for Hunter and James Biden's personal and business bank records. The House Oversight Committee has identified over 20 shell companies and uncovered how the Bidens and their associates raked in over $24 million between 2015 and 2019 by selling Joe Biden as the brand. Here I thought they were making all this money from Joe Biden's books. I thought everybody was just voracious readers of the Biden bios. Turns out, no. Turns out, no, it it had to do more with shell companies than with any memoir that Joe Biden put out. Payments to Joe Biden from Hunter's Owasco PC corporate account are part of a pattern revealing Joe Biden knew about, participated in, and benefited from his family's influence peddling schemes. As the Bidens received millions from foreign nationals and companies in China, Russia, Ukraine, Romania, and Kazakhstan, Joe Biden dined with his family's foreign associates, spoke to them by speakerphone, had coffee, attended meetings, and ultimately received payments that were funded by his family's business dealings. Or, as Dan Goldman put it, talked about the weather and had some niceties with people on the phone. That's a lot of weather talk, Jared. Yes, and this time they actually did put in the press release and tweeted out. They have a picture of, uh, I think, like a, a transfer application thing, and they also do have a voided check to a Joseph Biden bank account. 
doesn't have an address on it, which doesn't mean it's an illegal, but it's kind that tends to be uh, acceptable at fewer banks. So there may be some shadiness related to that, but hmm. we'll see. Yeah, I mean, we like all of these things. I won't had hold my breath. Before and nothing happens. Yeah. Well, that would be my. If we were doing the poll question right now, that would be my poll question. Is this going to lead to anything? I'd vote no. Um, but I'd love to be wrong. Fingers crossed that I am wrong once again. We'll be right back, everybody. Don't go anywhere. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. Jewish women are currently addressing the UN about Hamas and the rapes that occurred on and after October 7th. And I'm sure, as much as it pains me to say, I'm sure are ongoing now with the hostages. I actually just read that one of the reasons that Hamas is not releasing all of the women hostages is they're afraid they're going to tell the media and kind of explain all of the horrible things that they're doing while holding these women in captivity. Um, but I don't think you'll I, I guarantee you there will be a difference in the way this is covered versus all of the other Me Too, I Am Woman, Hear Me Roar movements that we've seen over the past few years. I think if you really focus hard, you really drill down, it will not be the same kind of coverage. There will not be these puff pieces like these. These are the kind of women that if we hadn't completely lost our minds in our current society, these would be the women that we would be applauding, that we would be celebrating, that that we would be lifting up, um, that we would be comforting. And while there are people, and I don't want to diminish what great work some people are doing in this case, um, it's not enough. It's you, you can definitely feel the you can feel the silence. As the left likes to say, the silence is deafening. And I think that that definitely applies here. Um, I want to do the poll question. And I want to talk a little bit about this climate summit because Jared knows as someone who's constantly trying to get in with the climate crew, mostly because I think it's a great, great grift. I noticed something. The people who care. It's like if you did one of those graphs, Jared, not a, not a Venn diagram. Take it easy, Kamala. Okay. Don't 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 lose your mind. We're not talking Venn diagrams here. I'm talking one of those graphs where it's just the arrow, right? And you show the relation between people who care about the climate and how rich people are. I'm telling you, there's a direct correlation. The richer you get on the graph, the more you care about climate. Like if you can fly private, if you have the ability to fly private, chances are you're going to care more about the climate than I do. Flying private for me is not something I think about often. It's not really an option that that comes around every time I fly. But for people who have access to private planes, they are the ones who care more. They have more compassion about the rising sea levels and the carbon footprints and all of these things. And so... I want to talk about that because John Kerry was at this event and so was Hillary Clinton. It was a real who's who of like obnoxious, tone deaf losers also rans. People who never here. Here's something, Jared. You could also have a graph. People who care about climate change and people who have run for president multiple times and will never be president. They also go pretty far high up on the list. Um, Today's poll question is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. The holidays are here. This is such a great gift. I was just telling people how I'm not the best gift giver. 
And I hope somewhere my family is going, that's not true. We love the gifts that you give us. But you fall into a habit. You give people the same things every year. You're like, does he need a sweater? For my brothers, I'm always thinking, do they need a sweater, maybe a t-shirt? I don't know. You want to give someone a gift that they're going to use. That's always my main thing. You want it to go to good use. And if you send someone Omaha Steaks, this is the perfect gift. Because whether it's steak, uh, beef franks, burgers, chicken, sides, desserts, you're sending the gift of quality food and you're also saving this person from having to go to the grocery store which is a gift in and of itself so you're ordering the very best visit omahasteaks.com take advantage they're running a 50 percent off site-wide sale which is reason enough to go on there but you also are using promo code grace at checkout for that extra $30 off your order. Jared, what is the poll question and what are the results thus far? Today's poll question, which you can vote in at gracecurlyshow.com, is where are you noticing inflation the most right now? Flights, gas, groceries, holiday shopping, or utilities? Now, this is very individual to me, but I do most of the holiday shopping in my family. My husband is not finding all the little gifts for everyone. So I'm noticing it right now with holiday shopping. 3%. Uh, I will say this, Jared. I don't go out to eat as much anymore. Um, But when I do, I notice it there a little bit. But I don't mind that either because it's more of an experience. Like Taylor made this point the other day, which I thought was interesting. He said he doesn't notice the groceries for a specific holiday. Like he's not he's not um, drilling down on, oh, the turkey was this much. The stuffing was this much because on a holiday he's feeling generous. He's feeling like he wants to, you know, host and make everyone feel good and buy all this stuff. He notices it more with the day to day. Now, people that are replying to this on Twitter, they're writing all sorts of different things. A lot of people are writing they notice it with their heating bills. It's a great reason to get a Gen 40. Um, some people are saying they notice it with gas because they drive a lot to work. So it just, I guess it depends on the person. Which one do you vote for, Jared? Uh, I am definitely feeling it with gas. Really? Yeah. My cost from Trump, the before time, uh, it is, <laughs> before it is time. yeah, it's cost me to fill up my tank now. It has gone up by $18 to fill my tank. Do you look around or do you just go to the same place every time? Um, there's, a, there's a place by me that's reasonable by, by where I live that's right by the highway and it's reasonable. So I'll tend to go there. But if not, yeah, I try to stick to that one place because it's, it's a quality. I know it's quality gas and the price is really pretty good. Yeah, I it's find not like a club or anything. It's a, it's a brand name gas station. Now, here's a question. This says a lot about a person. How low you, do you let it go? It depends. Usually once I get to a quarter of a tank, I fill up. But there have been occasions where I totally forget and the light goes on when I'm driving home. I'm like, oh, okay, I got to stop. And, you know, sometimes I'll then I get to the point where it's like, oh, no, I have to stop and like, you know, Waltham and pay like an extra 40 cents because it's like I got to get home. Um, Yeah. Jared, now I'm going to ask you this. This is a real dicey conversation we're about to have. Okay, so I hope you're feeling risky. If you had to guess what I do with my gas tank what would you guess from what you know of me from working with me now for a few years from being with me almost every weekday how do you think i fill up my gas tank 
I think you like to get the most value out of your gas. What does that and mean, let it sir? Go to the lowest possible point. <laughs> oh, I ride it, fill it up. every time, baby. It's like Kramer and Seinfeld. It's I'm going. I'm testing the limits. And every time I talk to the guys at Toyota of Portsmouth, they're like, "Don't do that. It's not good for the yeah. car." And I'm yeah. like, "I can't help it." And you know what? I was talking to Emma about this because I was saying how uh, what were we? It wasn't about that. Oh, I was saying how I'm not the kind of person who is ever going to do like the logical thing when it comes to buying things. I'll give you an example, okay? I get this really expensive formula for my daughter. She has acid reflux. And if I had signed up for a subscription six months ago when I started buying the formula, probably would have saved a lot of money. But what I prefer to do is I prefer to buy it sporadically at random places, sometimes online, sometimes in stores. And then usually once every two weeks, I'll realize, oh, crap, we're out of formula. I only have 30 minutes to go get it. What, what am I going to do? I like everything's up in the air. It's chaos. And I said that to Emma and she said, you want it to be that way. She said, you are looking for some sort of thrill factor. So you're just allowing like otherwise you would just buy the subscription. And it's not just with formula, but it's with other things. I like to live on the edge. And I think that's what I do with the gas, too. Yeah, no, it's totally understandable. You know, you just, uh, when you're going downhill, you take your foot off the gas, you know, just kind of just to kind of coast see. and then save. Yeah. You know. Yeah. One time I, I did run out of gas on the highway, though, and that was yeah. bad. That was when I knew I was letting it go too far. And my mom said to me, what are you like? What's wrong with you? You're on the side of the highway getting triple A because you ran out of gas. Yeah. And I did think, mm, we could have done without that. that. That only happened to me one time when I was up in Maine. There was a, a big snowstorm and, uh. You know, I planned to fill up before I had to drive into Portland to, to WGAN, actually, when I was working there. And uh, I was going, and where I was, all the gas stations, the power went out. So there was no gas. So I'm like, all right, well, I, I got to try to get to, you know, I got to try to get down to the next town to get gas. And I just didn't make it. And yeah. I was stuck. So it only has to happen yeah. once, usually. You yeah. usually do learn your lesson with that. Um, but inflation, now, this is from CBS News. Well, the, the, the poll question, 84% say they're feeling it with groceries, 8% for utilities, 4% for gas, 3 for holiday shopping, and 1% on flights. So this is from CBS. It says inflation is cooling, but most Americans say they haven't noticed. And it continues on. It says the soaring inflation has crippled household budgets over the past few years. And it has technically receded, but working Americans say they are not feeling any financial relief because their paychecks haven't kept pace. Now, I have read that the Biden administration is finally giving up on Bidenomics, which I can't remember who described it as this, but it was so perfect. And uh, Howie does a segment every Monday. Thank you, Brandon. And this was like the perfect way to describe it, though. You have an economy where nobody's loving it, you know, ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Nobody's loving it. And yet you tack on Biden's name. You brand it as Biden's economy, Bidenomics, and then that's all you talk about. It's it's like the most boneheaded strategy I've ever heard. Oh, let's find the one thing that everyone can agree on sucks. And let's make sure that when people think of it, they think of Joe. And it only took them a couple of years to realize we shouldn't do this anymore. 844-500-4242. With that being said, though, I want to talk about another thing the Biden White House is doing, and that's they're leaning in heavily right now to climate change. I think, Jared, this is because they're getting a lot of pushback from, oh, from the progressive 
base of their party. This is how you know. They have to they have to bend over backwards to try to please the anti-Israel demonstrators who are vandalizing falafel shops in Philadelphia because they're so fearful that if they lose that precious group, if they lose those enlightened, woke morons who are going around, you know, with their anti-Semitic slogans, then they might not win an election. So they're doing everything they can to make those people happy. So now I think to try to offset, to use a climate word, to try to offset the anger of this group, they're they're kind of falling back into the climate thing. Like, oh, I know, I know it upsets you guys that we're defending Israel, but hey, don't forget about the climate. We're we're big on the green stuff. And so what do they do? They have this big climate conference in Dubai. And John Kerry shows up. John Kerry and Hillary Clinton and Kamala Harris. What an invitation. What an event to be at. So I wanted to play John Kerry first because he makes a pretty big announcement, Jared. This is cut four. We ought to be transitioning out of coal. There shouldn't be any more coal-fired power plants permitted anywhere in the world. That's how you can do something for health. And the reality is that we're not doing it. So, um, you know, the measure here is, is really... Uh, sounding the alarm bell. I find myself getting more and more militant because I do not understand how adults who are in position of responsibility can be avoiding responsibility for taking away those things that are killing people on a daily basis. And and the reality is that um, the climate crisis and the health crisis are one and the same. There's so many things that I wish the person hosting this would have asked. First of all, to cite to, to cite some sources here would be nice. But second of all, I believe a pretty large emitter of all of these bad things from these coal plants, I believe, is China. That's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. And, you know, far be it from me to critique the people at COP28 who know so much more than me and who flew in on their private planes. But does anyone have a plan on how we're going to get China to do any of this? Like once we eliminate all our coal plants, Sharon, once we completely forget, shoot ourselves in the foot. We are we are we are just chopping off the foot totally. So we want to completely become dependent on every other foreign nation for all of our energy. But once we do that, then are we going to start looking at China and being like, hey, guys, um, hey, you guys are awesome, by the way. We love you so much. Thank you for TikTok. It's doing great things for the youth. Um, Do you think you could maybe cut back on some of the coal plants? I know you have made you've decided to go forward with so many of them. But do you think you could eliminate a few? How do you think China is going to respond to that? China's not taking us seriously on anything. You think that John Kerry... If he goes to meet with them and says, oh, I just can't believe that you guys haven't done this sooner. They're going to be like, OK, dude, we again, we don't care what you do. Like if you want to scam Americans into this climate grift, feel free. But we're not going to stop making money and, and producing things because John Kerry told us to. Because John Kerry can't believe the adults in the room aren't doing this. It is... It is so John Kerry to fly on a private plane to lecture people 
about climate. And Hillary Clinton was there too. I'll play a sound from her. Also, Jared, you know what I really want to talk about? Well, Jared wants to talk about uh, Doug Burgum because he dropped out of the race. It's been a really tough week for Jared between George Santos. Yeah. Between George Santos and Doug Burgum, I mean, we're all with you, Jared, okay? All my heroes are failing. <laughs> yeah. This is just, it's, it's hard. It's hard. But before we get to that, I also want to talk about Sheila Jackson Lee because this is a hysterical story that we will get to. I was reading this story today, Jared, in the Boston Herald, and it was all about how Cape Cod is such a cozy place to visit this time of year, how it's the perfect place to go. And one of the reasons they cited, which I loved, they said, if you go now, you're, you know, beautiful restaurants, beautiful beaches, such a nice holiday vibe. But also, there's a good chance you're not going to sit in that Cape Cod traffic that we all dread so much in the summer months. There's so many good reasons to go to the Nauset Beach Inn. That's just one of them. Yeah, Nauset Beach Inn has never failed me. That's that's my main hero right there. But it is, uh, in all seriousness, it is the most tranquil place that I've ever stayed. It's You're right on the beach. I mean, you're steps from the beach in Orleans and... You can just go outside and you walk right onto the beach. It's You can listen to the ocean. You can go. You can watch stars on the beach. Like, you can't do that in the city. So if you can get down there, you can do that. I went, uh, this is December 4th. I went exactly two years ago uh, to the Nauset Beach Inn for Christmas and when the trees went up. And uh, the, the ambiance there is fantastic. The fire pits are great. You can just sit outside. You sit around the fire pits. Um, they have a, a bunch of them, too. So, you know, sometimes you get to mingle with other people that are there. You all sit around a fire pit. Um, you can just hang out. You can watch the sunrise. You can watch the moonrise. It's it's great. You can walk the beach. I mean, there's so much to do down there. It's pet friendly. You can bring your pets. You go down there. You relax. If it's a little too cold for you, there's a fireplace in the room and a giant picture window so you can be warm and cozy and look out at the ocean. It's fantastic. And right now you can stay at the Nauset Beach Inn for under $200 this winter. Don't delay because these rooms go fast. To reserve your ocean view room, go to NaussetBeachInn.com. That's NaussetBeachInn.com. We will be right back. The Grace Curley Show will be right back. This is the Grace Curley Show. So the article that I was reading about John Kerry and his demands, he's he's like all the people that support him. He demands a lot, you know, he makes demands and not with good ideas or anything. You have to demand things. If you don't have good ideas that can persuade people to coming to your side, you have to just demand that people do what you want. That's a very, that's a core principle of being a Democrat. Um, so he's talking about this and he's talking about how he wants to end coal plants everywhere in the world. And I was reading about it from Axios and they didn't really get into the specifics, any of the problems that could arise from that. But Breitbart did. And Breitbart said about ending these coal plants, a report from two energy research groups in August found China has over 300 more coal power plants in the works, issuing permits for another 52 gigawatts of coal power in just the first half of 2023 alone. The report, the report, and it was from Global 
Energy Monitor and Center for Research on Energy and Clean Air, said China doubled its commissions of coal plants in 2023 as its coal spree continues to escalate. But John Kerry, for some reason, John Kerry and Hillary Clinton and even the vice president, Kamala Harris, and all of her wisdom, for some reason, it's not it's not penetrating. You know, it's not landing with China. They're they're probably getting hearing the message, but they're not receiving it, Jared. And I don't know why. When we come back, we're going to talk Doug Burgum, Sheila Jackson Lee and Robert De Niro. Don't go anywhere. 